Welcome and welcome back to Finding Our Spark, where we share our personal perspective on what it's like to be part of the APIA community using story topics from past UF Sparks magazine issues. This is Alex. And this is Michelle. And today, we're going to be talking about the struggles of language barriers and what we do to overcome them. If you wish to stay updated on our episodes, go ahead and follow our podcast on Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram so you can see what we're doing for Sparks this semester. Okay, uh, we talked about language barriers a little bit last week, but this week it's all about the deeper stuff and what we do to overcome those language barriers and any other stories that we have that we want to share. We did mention this last week, but we can go over it again. What languages do we speak? I speak Vietnamese and Chinese. And English. And English. (laughs) And I speak English and Korean. (laughs) I don't know. I always say English first because that's my stronger Mm. language. Yeah. Do you have any favorite words in your languages? I do. I don't know Chinese that well, but I actually have um, two favorite words in Vietnamese. And the two words are yoi and nguang. Both of them are words of praise like my mom would often say that to me when i would do something very good or something to help other people and she would say yoi and saying like oh you did a good job or nguang which means like kind of good girl or good child didn't you also say last week that your name had something to do with like the word good yeah huan yu huan means good as well in korean i also have two words but they're they are different words the first word that I thought of, which is pretty common, especially if you're a fan of K-dramas, I'm pretty sure you've heard this word before. It's called nunchi, and it means, well, if I try to explain it in one word in English, I would use the word observant because it's a word that a lot of Koreans use to describe other people during like situations, like social environments. And they'll say, oh, you have a lot of nunchi. That basically means that you can read the room and you know how to see what's going on, understand the situation and know how to act based on it. But if you don't, it's just saying that you're like kind of slow. <laughs> like you aren't very observant. You have no idea what's going on around you. And there's another word that I like. It's called chong. There are, I think there are other meanings to this word, but the meaning that I like is, again, I would describe it as affection if I had to describe it in one English word. It's kind of hard to explain, but I would use it to describe a relationship between two people or like it could be more than two people but basically you and this other person or group of people who didn't really know each other at first but as time goes by you kind of start building a relationship and building affection for each other and this doesn't have to be like love based or like romantic relationship based it kind of shows that you two grew affection for each other and as a result it's harder to say goodbye I always find it so fascinating when I hear other people can speak more than like two languages because nowadays knowing two languages is like pretty common. I feel if like if you're ethnic, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. If you're ethnic, mm-hmm. I only <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> I only know English and Korean because both of my parents are Korean, so mm-hmm. that's the only language we speak at home. I speak English to my sister. Mm-hmm. It's really cringy if I try to speak Korean to my sister. <laughs> she feels the same way. She's like. 
no, we got to stick to English because yeah. like we never talk to each other in Korean unless in a special occasion where like we want to say something, but we don't want others to know. I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> like when we're outside like or in public and we want to like, I guess, I don't know, talk about some guy sitting over there mm-hmm. or like some women over there. That's funny. But we don't want them to hear. Mm-hmm. We'll be like, in our like secret like language like <laughs> sister code and things like things like that that's funny yeah but other than that it would be cringe if we try to do it but with my parents yeah i speak korean because they don't really well okay so my mom knows english pretty well she just can't speak it like she's not comfortable speaking mm-hmm. english she can understand it it's just that she's not comfortable with speaking which honestly i feel the same way like when i learned spanish back in like middle school high school i felt pretty comfortable reading and understanding but speaking wise i would be really slow like i would have to think about it first before saying it out loud that's really interesting because yes it's like super difficult but a lot of people say that when you already know two languages it's easier to learn a third does that make sense yeah i think i also heard that yeah like if you're already if you're already bilingual, it's easier for you to learn a third language than someone who only knows one language. Mm-hmm. Because you already have experience like learning a second yeah, language or exactly. like, yeah, a language other than the language you're fluent in. I I don't know. I feel like my parents, they've been living here for so long, <laughs> but <laughs> it's because they work in a Korean you know workplace. They don't yeah. work in a place that uses English, mm-hmm. so they have no reason to. I guess yeah speak english like even with my dad he's been in america for a very long time and he works in he works in stem he works in pharmaceuticals and biotech but he still has like an accent it's very noticeable that english isn't his first language Mm -hmm. so even though he's spoken english like all throughout these years like for some reason it's still like stuck with an accent Mm -hmm. how would you rate your chinese and vietnamese my chinese is terrible i don't know any cantonese i know a little bit of mandarin probably like a two a one or two my vietnamese i'm pretty like fluent conversationally i'll understand like 75 percent, 80 percent of the words i can read a little bit i can't write at all so it's probably up there like at seven or eight what about you um, I would say on a scale of 1 to 10, my level of knowledge in the Korean language is, yeah, I think 7 or 8. Just because I think of 10 as like fluent, and I'm definitely not fluent. Yeah, I feel the same. Mm-hmm. But I do know a good amount. At least back then, I thought I was pretty good. <laughs> I think as I get older, I become more humble mm-hmm. <laughs> on my language skills. Where did you learn? Did you have like a school or did you learn at home from your parents? Um, I learned Vietnamese at home and I studied, I used to go to Chinese, a Chinese school to learn Chinese, but I was a dropout because <laughs> I did pass the final exam. <laughs> you had a final exam? Yeah. And you couldn't um, be promoted to the next grade if you didn't pass it. Mm. It was like a speaking exam and I, I was too scared to do public speaking in Chinese. So I didn't do it. And Girl, I failed. I was too scared to do public speaking in general, like in English. No, can't see me at the front of the class. Mm-hmm. I just 
hated attention. I mean, I still do. I don't like attention or like people looking at me. That's why I would never raise my hand. But that's a story for another time, <laughs> another episode. <laughs> we'll get there. That's too deep into my personal life yet <laughs> for now. For me, we did have a school. It was like at a church. All the church kids there, Korean church kids, would go there and take lessons. And each class would be divided based on like level of, you know, difficulty. Mm-hmm. And so there were like beginners class, intermediate class, advanced class, and so on. I just don't remember too much about it because it was so long ago, like elementary school. So we had classes and the teachers would be our church members. Mm-hmm. So they would be deacons and I think elders as well. And the classes, I feel like back then, see, this is why I'm saying back then I was like so like confident in Korean is because the classes were really easy for me. Yeah. And they were like in the advanced class. But if you think about it, the advanced class at like elementary school age, it's not super advanced. My knowledge is like more conversational based. So I don't know like super advanced words, mm-hmm. like academic words, like words that you would see in a textbook. Yeah. But yeah. I'm pretty confident in conversations. Like if you tell me to write a speech in Korean, it's going to take a while. Yeah. It will be very elementary. Like this week's story is called Tongue Tied at the Reunion, Language Loss and Language Barriers Within Asian Families. And this is from issue 20. And for this topic, we're going to talk about challenges with language barriers. So just to sum up what this story is about, it's um, basically about how Asian Americans have trouble with language barriers and how that affects you know, communication and bonding within Asian families. This story is written by Eileen. I think her name was Eileen Caleb. And she mentioned at the very beginning of the story of how Merriam-Webster defines language barrier. They basically define it as a difficulty for people communicating because they speak different languages. Pretty solid definition. I agree. How else would you define language barrier? I guess in our own words. Different languages can definitely play a role in not being able to communicate, but even within the language, there can still be a language barrier. For example, dialects are like a huge issue for my learning of a language, because obviously in Vietnamese, there are different dialects depending on the region you live in. So even if I know one dialect and I know Vietnamese, someone else who knows a different dialect, we wouldn't be able to communicate at all. If you ask me to translate someone speaking in a Korean dialect, I won't understand anything. And I say that because I can understand Korean, but Mm -hmm. Korean dialects, I don't know any of them. I think another thing that relates to language barriers is like body language or like how they use their hands or their body and the gestures and things like that. Because back when we talked about public speaking, that's another big thing because your words could mean something, but also like your hand gestures, your facial expressions could also kind of show what you're trying to say. I think that also plays a role because I think in different Asian countries, one gesture could mean something different. For sure. Also like tones. Mm-hmm. There was a time when my high school friends came home to celebrate my 13th birthday. 
I was talking to my mom and my friend thought we were arguing. <laughs> and I was like, no, we're just talking. Yeah. I forgot what we were talking about because it was so long ago. But yeah, she told me that she thought that we were mad at each other. We were just like yelling at each other. But I guess to other people, it might sound like that. In Chinese, there is little room um, from my experience for variations in tones. If you're happy, sad, angry, Chinese tends to just sound the same, no matter like your emotion, I guess. But in Vietnamese, it's very dynamic. There are, are so many different tones in Vietnamese and just changing like the tone in, like in writing the language or just a slight change in pronunciation can mean a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. I think Vietnamese is like the most or one of the most tonal languages like in the world. Yeah, and the same thing goes for like other countries, like European countries. Mm-hmm. People will be like, oh, German sounds very rough and aggressive. Yeah. And they could just be, you know, talking about the weather. Mm-hmm. That's just how the language sounds. Yeah. I think that's the cool thing about languages. They could sound normal to the people actually speaking the language. Mm-hmm. But to other people, it might sound totally different. Because they don't know that language, they can just only assume. Right. I think we also talked about how we communicate with family and relatives. Mm-hmm. Or what other ways do you communicate with them? I think for us... Um, we use this app called Kakao Talk, and that's basically what Koreans use to message each other. But I know you use like Facebook Messenger. <laughs> so um, Chinese people use WeChat, and I think Vietnamese people use WeChat as well, or another app. But since my family is very Americanized, we use Facebook Messenger. I thought we all had iPhones, but my brother doesn't. There's always that one person in the family who doesn't have it. It's my mom for me. (laughs) Like, my dad, my sister, and I all have iPhones. My mom has a Samsung Galaxy. (laughs) And, but either way, it doesn't really affect us because we use Kakao Talk. So it doesn't matter if it shows up green or blue, like the messages, if we have like a regular group chat. But still, I can't FaceTime her. Yeah, that's like the annoying thing. I have to use other apps like Discord. Oh, you also use Discord to talk to your family? Just my brother, sometimes. Mm. Mostly Snapchat. Yeah, me too. I use Snapchat to talk to or text my sister. Yeah. I don't use like regular text. messenger or yeah. text. <laughs> it's so funny. Why do you use Snapchat instead of anything else to talk to your brother? I just hate the way it shows up green. So I just avoid it as much as possible. I get so triggered when people don't have iPhones. There was a phase when we texted each other, but ever since we started texting each other on Snapchat, that was just like our Mm go-to communicating app. But yet we only text there or on Instagram, like DM. Instagram DMs are so inconvenient. Like I only... DM her like if I find something funny on Instagram I'll send it to her and then like we'll react and while we're on the app at the same time we'll like talk but mostly it's just Snapchat and for Instagram it would just be like to send each other like funny posts or like gotcha other things I've traveled to several different Asian countries in the past before Um, I've been to China Japan Vietnam and Cambodia and 
it's definitely very scary. I don't know if I like traveling internationally because like of that very reason. It's very intimidating. Just not knowing like how to ask people for help or for basic things and like where you are, it's completely new territory. Um, and I think that's when um, the realization really hit me like communication is really important. Um, it is. Knowing languages is a really powerful um, thing. And I like that English could be a universal language because I at least know English. So if I go to a different country and I speak English, chances are they'll probably understand a little bit of what I'm saying or all of it and I'll feel safe. Yeah. <laughs> but I also travel to, I've only traveled to Korea, even though I thought I knew the language going there physically and like seeing all the different like Korean signs and words that I've never heard of. Mm -hmm. It made me feel very unfamiliar and uncomfortable. There was that one time when I went inside a restaurant at night with my sister. So this was when we went together 2018 when it was just the two of us. I went inside, we ordered, and then this guy comes up to us and he's saying this word, and I didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. But I was like, oh, what is he trying to say? But I didn't want to like make it obvious that I had no idea what he was talking yeah. about. I was like, because we clearly look Korean. Mm -hmm. So that would be kind of weird. I mean, that, that was how I thought back then. But he would say that over and over again, like, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Because he came right after we ordered. So is he asking for our menu back? Or like, I don't really know what he's saying. But then he explained, oh, you got to pay. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, I was like, oh, so you people like pay before we get the food in here? But it was my first time like experiencing that because normally we pay after. Yeah. So I'm used to that culture. And in most of the restaurants that I went to in Korea, they didn't ask for payment before they give us our food. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this must be new. But back then I was thinking, oh, he must be talking about something in the menu or like, some other thing that we don't know about mm -hmm. and that's why i never know i never forget that word now nice nice <laughs> learning a word in a very embarrassing situation we were just there sitting for a couple minutes trying to figure out what he's talking about <laughs> without making it obvious that we don't know what he's talking about so that was pretty embarrassing <laughs> now i know <laughs> you'll never forget that word. yeah i can never forget it I'll use that word when I go there now. Like, oh, do you need me to pay? <laughs> I know what this word means now. But what does it matter to them? They'll, they won't remember. Yeah, exactly. So, it's good to know for future reference for yourself. Mm -hmm. but yeah, traveling in a country where you don't know the language that well, it's pretty hard. And after that incident, I realized, oh, maybe I'm not that good at Korean. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started becoming humble. <laughs> yeah, you always got to visit that country and expose yourself to it first it's definitely like the rite of passage for a lot of asian americans like traveling back to your home country and just mm -hmm. realizing like i am so american compared to these people yeah i read somewhere on the internet i don't know if this is like true or not but it makes sense to me that people who know or learn multiple languages at a young age a the misconception is that People think learning a different language hinders your learning of English, but it's actually the absence of exposure of English that 
like contributes to you having an accent or not knowing English super well. So if you were to be exposed to a lot of English and a lot of like Vietnamese at the same time, you would learn both languages like fluently. But what usually happens is um, like immigrant parents don't know English and they'll only speak Vietnamese, which means you only learn Vietnamese. I think that makes sense. My sister told me that at her school, since it's an international school and there are a lot of Korean students there, she would speak Korean to them and that's how she learned. And then she told me, dude, I think I'm forgetting English now because I'm only speaking Korean now to my friends at school and even at home. Like she would speak Korean to our parents. So because she's speaking more Korean now than English, like she's been telling me how like she would try to speak English, but it wouldn't make sense to her. It would sound very, like, beginner's level English. I find that when I have, like, extended periods of time, like, talking to my parents, my English becomes very broken, Mm -hmm. especially speaking to them and then speaking to my friends, like, right after. Because in Vietnamese, you speak in the third person, and the words are very simple, and you just add adjectives on top of the words. Mm -hmm. So in English, I'll start speaking in very simple broken English. I think that's so funny. Broken English. I feel that way sometimes. Chinglish. I don't know what it's in Vietnamese. <laughs> yeah, what is it in Vietnamese? I've heard of Vinglish. Vinglish. Oh. Maybe. Maybe. Literally never heard of that term before. I just made it up. For us, it's Conglish. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I would mix Korean words and English words together mm-hmm. because I can't think of them in English or I can't think of them in Korean. Yeah. So I kind of just go with whatever comes up to my mind first. If I'll say an English word and I think of a Korean word in between, I'll just like squeeze that in there and it'll be Konglish. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the same goes for every other like language, like Spanglish, mm-hmm. <laughs> Spanish, English. It's kind of a challenge for those who know multiple languages, mm-hmm. like with English. Yeah, I've only actually heard it with English. Like, Spanish-English would be Spanglish. Korean and English would be Konglish. Vietnamese-English would be English. But I don't know if there's a term used for, like, let's say, Korean and Chinese. So I think it's mostly for those who speak English and other languages. There are some words that are really hard to translate to English because you can't think of an English translation for it. Or it's like a really complicated definition. Yeah, and you can't go on explaining. Yeah, it. exactly. Like, I remember in Vietnamese, like, gung. There are so many words for love in Vietnamese, yeah. you know, and I'm sure in every Asian language, but gung means like to adore, but adore in a cute way, and you usually say that to like a very young person or a small person. And explaining that in English just doesn't do it justice. Some words are just better off in its original language. Yeah, totally. You can't really translate it. All right, next topic is overcoming the barriers. So we talked about the challenges of language barriers, and now we're going to talk about how we can overcome them. I Honestly, I think knowing more than one language or like more than two languages is like really cool. Yeah, I agree. If I had the ability to know every single language... That would be so bro, incredible. That would be so cool. Yeah. That, that would be so cool. I think knowing more than one language impacts my English in like a really positive way because there are so many different words in the Asian language that we try to translate back into English. I think my vocabulary in English is very big. That's like something I've experienced versus like my American classmates and stuff. 
we're also exposed to more phrases and words. But like we talked about how some words just can't be translated. You have to know it in its original language. It's good to know just English or just like one language. I think it has something to do like physically with your brain too. Like if you know more than one language, like you think differently than other people. True, which actually makes me think of a question. Do you think or like do you think slash dream in English or Vietnamese slash Chinese? That's a good question. Always in English, I think. The same goes for me. Sometimes though, I'll talk to myself in Korean. Yeah. When especially when I'm trying to like prepare to say something, I'll be like, <laughs> does this sound right in my head? And I'll slowly yeah. say it out loud. I'll just be like saying random things to myself in Korean. There's this phrase that people use, Aigo. Oh, <laughs> yeah. know, have you heard of it? Yeah. I say that sometimes when I don't really know how to describe it. It's like a exasperation. C. Yeah, kind of. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess in English. And I sometimes use it when, like, so I'm like very physically inactive and incapable. <laughs> so when I bend down, I say, Aigo. <laughs> There's like a Vietnamese phrase like "aya" or "jai ai." <laughs> it's just like "jai ai mai ai." It means like "oh my god," like something like about your mother. It's just like mm-hmm. "how could you be doing this?" or like the same thing, exasperation, like mm-hmm. "oh my gosh." I would also say like "ah chinja" when I'm like so stressed. <laughs> so let's go into some ways that we can overcome language barriers, or I guess expand our knowledge in another language it's a good way of putting it Mm -hmm. definitely practicing reading writing speaking some people use like duolingo Mm -hmm. i've never used it before but i heard it's like a very popular app the more you listen to something or the more you watch something the more you can expose yourself to that language and that culture that's the important thing so you could watch things with subtitles on i know there are options with multiple language subtitles so it's not just english subtitles they'll have like at least on netflix i know there are other languages um i'm really bad with like motivating myself to speak different languages i think i would learn best in a classroom setting Mm -hmm. like learning how to read write and speak properly i would need a mentor instead of being like self-taught i think that's just the way i am that's also a good way i feel like that would be a more professional way to learn yeah, taking classes. I, I do want to learn like the official dialect of like a language. That's like the best way. Because then it would be easier for you if you have someone who's experienced and is fluent in that language. Right. Like personally teaching you. Do you have any advice for people who are struggling with language barriers, for people who are considering learning another language? I know that this is something I struggle with a lot especially since I'm like actively trying to learn like Chinese and Vietnamese. It is so embarrassing to sound and look like you have no idea what you're saying and to like speak in very simple and broken like languages. But you just have to really get over that and like put yourself out there and don't be afraid to fail. I think that's the best thing you could do for yourself if you're trying to learn a new language. Learning is very difficult, especially like learning a language. It might seem intimidating. There are so many things you could learn in a language. A lot of words, phrases. You can even learn culture through a language. So it's a lot to take in. But yeah, like Alex said, you have to be more open to it. 
I would say just be proud that you're willing to learn another language because it's hard. It's definitely a huge accomplishment and I'm always very excited and proud when other people are like, oh, do you speak like this language? Do you know a little bit about this language? I can be like, yeah, I do. Yeah. And you can use it. Yeah. It's a very useful skill. Mm -hmm. You can put it on your resume that you know another language other than English. Mm -hmm. You can use it to communicate with other people from that country. It just brings people together. So today we discuss the ups and downs of language barriers. We know it's tough dealing with multiple languages, so we hope today's episode encouraged you. Next week, we'll finally be covering the topic that everyone's been waiting for, Asian food. If you love food, then you'll love next week's episode. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to follow us on Instagram and follow our podcast on Spotify. Plug of the week goes to the order form for our shirts designed by co-design editor Aryam. It should be open and it will close on October 13th. If you would like to support Sparks and buy our shirt... This week's thank you note goes to Karen, Mercy, and Jackie for their help preparing the boot bags. And we also want to thank everyone who came to our fundraiser at Frosty Fox and those who purchased our boot bags. We really appreciate your support. Hope you have a good weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye.